You should build your business looking at how it's going to be five or 10 years from now. You're not gonna be a one-woman shop forever. So you need to put systems in place that allow you to grow, that allow you to scale. You need to have the mindset that I'm going to have 10, 20, 30 other people working with me here to build this business. Therefore, the foundation you lay has to keep that in mind. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pili, and welcome to episode 82 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. For today's episode, we're continuing with our Back to Business Basics series. This is our chance to peel back the layers to check the foundations of our business. For this episode, we're talking about four keys you need in order to scale your business. As a reminder, this series of episodes is recorded during our weekly Instagram Live, so from time to time, you may hear me responding to comments from the audience or hear the voice of someone I've invited to come on live with me. Before we hear the rest of this episode, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. This will help to spread the word about our podcast so the amazing stories we share on this show can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journey. With that, let's go off-script as we continue with our Back to Business Basics series. We're talking about four keys to scaling your business. Earlier this week, I, I shared a statistic that has been around for a long time. And every time I see it, it's just even more disturbing to me that although women of color make up 50% of the new businesses getting started out there, we're earning what seems like a pittance compared to the women pool of businesses in general. So this is really why I do what I do. My main goal is to help women build great businesses how to launch them, how to scale them, and how to pivot if they need to, that it really is my passion. Where that started is part of my side hustle when I was working in corporate America. I worked for Goldman Sachs as a vice president there. And part of my side hustle within the company was to work on their 10,000 small businesses. It's kind of like an accelerator that they have for businesses. And I started to see trends coming out of my time spent mentoring those businesses. And some of those trends and themes, I wanted to be able to work on full times, which is what I do within my consultancy, working with mainly female-led businesses. So today, we're focused on some of the things that I'm seeing that are preventing businesses from growing. Back to the theme about a lot of our businesses not earning as much as they could, let's talk about how you can scale your business. Number one is mindset. Your money mindset does impact your ability to grow your business. And I think where that really shows up is in your pricing. Everyone has a money mindset. Depending on how you grew up, what your background and what your relationship is with money, if you were told that whatever you asked for as a kid, you could have. When you were walking down the aisles, if mommy and daddy said you can have whatever it is you pointed at, for Christmas you got everything on your list, your mindset around money becomes, it's not it's a non-issue. It's just, it's there, I can get whatever I need whenever I need it, as long as I work for it or know the right people. Or you could be at the very opposite side of the extreme where your money mindset is more so that no one in my family has ever had it. 
no one I know has ever done it, therefore I cannot have it. And even if you're brave enough to start a business of your own, your mindset is maybe people can't afford the prices I'm offering. And for some reason, you shoot yourself in your own foot by not pricing the way you need to price. When you're in a for-profit business, you're there to make money. And you need to be mindful of the way you price because if you do the math, if it costs you a certain amount of time or resources, raw material, whatever it is you're creating or what service you're providing in your business, that's really going to determine what kind of pricing you put out there. But if you are putting your money mindset onto your clients, your customers, then you are putting your limiting belief system on them. And that in turn impacts your ability to grow because you're going to be like a leaky bucket where you pour into your business. But for some reason, that bucket never overflows because you are cutting yourself off at the ankles, as they say, or at the knees. And that mindset is what is hindering and impacting your growth time after time. So that's just really the first thing. In order to scale your business, the first key is get your mind right get your mind right. Because once you believe things are possible, once you believe that money really isn't something that's going to hinder your growth, that it's something that's going to work for you, you're going to set audacious goals. You're going to, you're going to aim higher because you have gotten rid of that mindset issue. So that's number one. Once you've gotten over that hurdle, what's the next thing that we need to do in order to scale? Set number two item that you need to focus on for scaling is to put systems in place in your business. When a lot of our businesses start out, we are one man, one woman shows, but that isn't how you should build your business. You should build your business looking at how it's going to be five or 10 years from now. You're not gonna be a one woman shop forever. So you need to put systems in place that allow you to grow, that allow you to scale. You need to have the mindset that I'm going to have 10, 20, 30 other people working with me here to build this business. Therefore, the foundation you lay has to keep that in mind. By, by systems, I mean you need to put in place repeatable processes that are documented. It can't be that you do things in a bespoke manner, that you have a customized way of doing things for every customer that walks in through the door or every single time you do things slightly differently because that's gonna be an Achilles heel to your growth. You need to be able to systematize, document your processes and then automate those processes. A good example of that, I, I, I recently had, Tiana Tai is an industrial and organizational psychologist, and really her job is to work with companies in order to optimize their leadership and their teams. She had an interesting anecdote about a business and a leadership team she worked with to hire new people, because they felt like they had scaled to the point where they were ready to bring people on board but they hadn't done the foundational work first. And what they discovered is they brought someone in and within six weeks, this individual was bored. They had nothing to do. It's expensive to hire. You spend a lot of time and effort putting together the job posting, interviewing people takes time. And they brought this person in and within six weeks, this person had nothing to do. All I could think was what a waste of resources. And I think that happened because they did not do the foundational work. So in order to put systems into place, you need to understand what are the tasks that need to get done within your business? What are the processes that needs to get done? And what I like to tell people when they're starting businesses is don't think about job roles, but think about 
processes that need to take place in your business. Think about functions that need to take place in your business. Whenever you launch a business, and if you haven't done this because you think you're too small, I would encourage you to go back and create an org chart for your business. Yes, it's just you right now, or maybe it's you and a virtual assistant and a couple other contractors, but create an org chart for what you think your company's gonna look like five years from now because that's gonna allow you to plan and that's gonna allow you to visualize all of the functions that you need to go back and optimize and figure out processes on and figure out you know, who are you gonna hire to take over those roles if those are roles that can't be automated in the future. So start with an org chart for yourself that is made up of the different functions that you have to do on a day-to-day -day basis in order to let your business run. And once you've done that, Think about ways that you can document the processes that it takes to make those functions run like a well-oiled machine. Once you've documented, think about how you can automate. And if you can't automate with all of the tools that are out there these days, one tool I can think of is Dubsado um, that really helps people with onboarding clients and sending the right emails that they need to send them. And that's a great way to eliminate maybe the need for an admin to send those emails for you. That's just one example. So as you start to do that, then you can think about the future. You can think about what scaling and growing means for your company. You can think about which roles are gonna need someone sitting in them physically in the future. But if your mindset is that this is gonna be me doing it day in and day out for the next year or two, no one can do it as well as I can. And if you're gonna micromanage the growth of your business, it's gonna be difficult for you to grow. For me right now, I'm in the process of doing this very same process for my podcast, which until now hasn't been a revenue producing part of my business. My core business is my consultancy, but this podcast is something that I've been doing for two years now, and it's time to start to monetize the podcast. And as a result, I'm doing the very same process. What does it take for me to produce it? This has been a one woman show to date, but it's not sustainable in the way it is. So I'm taking my own advice that I give clients, applying it to my podcast, and I'm thinking, what does it take to produce a podcast? What are all the different functions, the processes? How long does everything take me? Is there someone else? Like, How much money is it gonna take in order to hire someone to sit there? Can I automate? So I'm going through all these processes because now that helps me figure out how much revenue do I need to generate in order to help it be self-sustaining, number one, and then above and beyond that, then to start producing profit on its own. So this is something you need to do from the start rather than coming back around when it's time for you to hire someone like me to figure out why your business is a leaky bucket and not growing year year after year. You need to think about these things from the start. Because I told you my heart is I want to see us thrive as women-owned businesses. And if for some reason we are not getting this fundamental advice at the beginning stages, five years from now, you're gonna be sitting at the same spot wondering, why am I not able to do this? Why am I earning $24,000 a year? Is that, is that be, I think that's below the poverty line versus my female-owned counterparts who are earning 143K a year. There's a stark difference there. So moving on to our step number three is, oh, this is, this is a hard one. This is a hard one, especially if it's just you in your business. Number three key to scaling your business is to learn how to work on your business rather than in your business. What does that mean? 
When you think about what it takes to run your business day after day after day, there are a lot of small little steps. There's a lot of minutia. There's a lot of admin that if you let it, it will take up your whole day. Sending email, responding to email, invoicing. If you're doing graphics, let's say for your social media on your own, that takes time. Or if you're working with a graphic designer, letting them know what it is that you need, putting together your content calendar. I could name a huge list of just the little admin-y type of things that are not, quite frankly, they're not even tied to revenue. So this is an aside, but when I talk to people about structuring their days, I always say start with the revenue generating activities first. Start with things that are tied to revenue before then moving on to the little things that are, I think people do this as a way of procrastinating maybe when they're afraid or they're unsure about what steps to take next they default to the little admin type things because that is something that needs to be done and they feel productive when in fact they're not truly moving the needle forward so this is something that you need to think about but the main point was work on your business rather than in your business. And there's a balance. I think in the beginning, working on your business and in your business are pretty much the same thing because you're setting things up, you're establishing things. But once you hit your stride and you're in a position where you are generating a recurring amount of revenue, now you need to start thinking about, okay, what is it gonna take to get to the next level? What is it gonna take for me to compete in my industry, to capture more market share? What does that look like for me? For me, every Friday is that day for me. On Fridays, I try not to have any meetings or appointments because I want to be able to think about my business and think about, you know, what are the collaborations I need to do, which is number four, we'll get to that. But what are the metrics that I'm tracking? And let me review them and make sure to see, okay, when I went after this part of my my customer segment, things seem to be resonating better than that part of it. Or when I look at my marketing, things I posted on Instagram that had to do with XYZ seem to fare better than the other, or what kind of podcast guests seem to be resonating versus you know the others. I take that time to actually look through my metrics to understand what's going on in my business, get my head out of the everyday and think higher level. This is when I take time aside to plan future initiatives. This is when I take time aside to craft new products that I wanna put out there or new services that I want to provide to people. But if I didn't give myself the time to do this, I would never get anywhere. I'd be running a rat race, which is why I decided to leave corporate to begin with is because I wanted to be the captain of my own ship. But in order to do that, you've been given a responsibility, especially once you start to have um, employees. It's your responsibility to make sure that you are providing for them for years to come. And it's irresponsible of you to allow your company to dwindle down because you're not being a forward thinker. So it's really crucial for you to take the time aside to work on your business rather than 100% in your business from day to day. This is a great corporate tenant. This is something that as a vice president running a group for the US that worked on global initiatives, this is something that we were encouraged to do. I encouraged my team to do is take time aside and 
think through the plans because I'm telling you, before you look up, it could be 7 p.m. at night and all you've done is day to day and you haven't done anything strategic at all. So I can't harp on that point enough is if you want to see your business scale, start working on it rather than always burying your head in the minutia. There are some things that your business is not going to keel over if you don't do. I would say you need to weigh the return on investment, weigh the return on investment of things that you choose to put your time towards. So that's number three. Number four is something that I'm newly getting into, especially as someone who is newer to the entrepreneurship realm. I'm two years in and I would say I learned a very valuable lesson that in order to scale, you you can't do it by yourself. You need some partnerships. You need some collaborations. If you think about it from a marketing perspective, it puts you in front of new audiences. My first collaboration that I, I would say was my biggest and more, most successful collaboration that really taught me the value of this was actually on the podcast side. Um, I did a collaboration with one of my guests who is the CEO of Colored Rain. So if you guys are familiar with Colored Rain Cosmetics, Lorraine Dowdy, great podcast guest, great CEO of this indie brand. And when she came on, people responded so well to her episode. I thought, okay, I think we could do more with her. And the collaboration that we had was, we just did a giveaway. We just did a giveaway and they had a new release. Her team sent us like six packs of the full line and we gave it away to podcast audience members. And in exchange, that was my largest growth as far as podcast listenership because I was able to tap into her influence and she was amazing enough to allow me to do that. As far as collaborations go, that was probably more of a tester collaboration. More collaborations you'll probably see in the future will have more to do with classes and courses that we provide to the podcast audience with the guests that come on. But I realized that sometimes, number one, when you're new on the scene, you don't have any clout yet. You don't have any capital. People don't know if they can trust you yet. People don't understand what you bring to the table. And if you choose to partner with someone in the industry who has bigger clout, they kind of co-sign you. They let you know that, yep, I've tested her product. I know what she's about. Um, We really align. So if you trust me, trust her. One person I saw do that recently was Morgan Debon, who is the CEO of Blavity. She recently did a post along the lines of kind of the wave of supporting black businesses, she pretty much listed her money team. She was just like, if you need someone who is a CFO type person, a product creation person, you know, she kind of listed the people that she turns to. Here are the women that I work with and I'm co-signing them. Now, as a result, I'm sure those individuals are going to get a boost in their business because Morgan is someone who's trusted in the industry. Um, Morgan not only runs a media organization, she also has side projects and products of her own. Those are all collaborations where they leverage their clout and that helps them grow. So. That's number four. If you're new into the game and you're thinking about how can I catapult my growth or how can I grow even more steadily, think about collaborations, think about partnerships with people because that I think is a good step in then going out on your own and producing your own products that people recognize. Now that's gonna look different in the service industry versus in the 
product industry, but I think it's possible. We've seen other successful collaborations where people put together capsule collections with a well-known brand, and then later we see them release their own well-known product. So think through that. As usual, I talk fast. I say a lot in a very short amount of time. Let me recap everything that we've talked about, and then we can jump into Q&A. Today, we're just talking about four keys to scaling your business. Number one was money mindset. So make sure you get your mindset right so you're not projecting your negative money mindset onto people who could potentially be your clients that are willing to pay you because for some reason you don't think you deserve to charge your worth. On that point, I didn't mention that when it comes to pricing, there's a 10x rule. So when you price, you price in a way that people can get 10x the value from the price. So if your price for a service is $1,000 and because of whatever service you've offered, people can turn around and make $10,000, your expertise, your product, your service has given them 10x the value. Therefore, that is a good ratio as far as pricing goes. But if you, for some reason, think, I'm not, I can't charge $1,000, no one's going to pay me $1,000. And you said, oh, let me do a hundred. And that you charge a hundred dollars. That person turns around and makes 10 grand. Man, you have sold yourself short. So think about that money mindset. Number two on here was put in place systems and processes that can be not only repeatable, but can be in some way optimized or automated and then optimized so that it allows you to grow in the future. It gives you the breathing room and the bandwidth in order to grow in the future. Number three was to work on your business rather than 100% in your business all the time. And number four was to consider partnerships and collaborations in order to catapult your growth and gain more exposure. So those were the four items. Um, now let's answer some questions. If I am working on my side business, how much time on average should I put in weekly? So that's a relative question. And I say that because it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. It depends on what your goals are. I think whenever I get questions like this that have to do with how much should I be doing, I always wonder whether or not they have targets and if they're tracking metrics behind those targets. Example, if my goal is to hit 100K in revenue every month, I need to work backwards from that target. If I have a $1,000 service, make the math easy, if I have a $1,000 service, that means that every month I'm gonna need 100 clients. And in order to get one client, I know I need to put in 10 hours into mining that client, into wooing that client, into landing that client and performing the service for that client in order to get 1K in my bank account. So you're gonna need to X that amount, right, by 100 in order to hit your 100K goal. So apply that to what it is you're trying to accomplish with your side business. If your goal is to launch the side business in two months, What's on your to-do list for launching that business? How long does each item on your to-do list take to do? And then divide by the available time you have. Because I know it's difficult with a side hustle at the end of the day, you are exhausted. But it depends on how ambitious your goals are and it depends on how aggressive your timeline is for doing whatever it is you're trying to do. 
I hope that's helpful, but there's no one size fits all about how much time you should be spending on your business at any given point. If this is something that you're just trying to have as a side business long term, you're not interested in going full time anytime soon, you can approach it in a leisurely fashion. But if you have more aggressive goals, you'll be aggressive. So I think you can decide what that looks like for you. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Offscript.com. See you on the next one.